following is a vintage broadcasting publication presented by Frank Goss. The following podcast is entitled Dewey's Dumbing Down of the American Children. This series is concentrated on the state of public education in the United States of America. As we consider various ideologies, and particularly the one we're looking at now, we have to consider the character of the individual that has articulated and developed the ideologies, and that's what we're going to do. I want you to take facts and opinions and to consider them. And I don't want you to take what I say and incorporate it into your life. What I want you to do is take what I say and examine it and see if I'm accurate in what I'm saying. And if you think that these things are true, study the facts, consider them, and then know the truth. And then you possess the truth or you be possessed by it. And then you incorporate it as you see fit. I simply want to be a signpost that points you to what I know to be true. We're backing up a little bit and we're going to look at this story of a man, a man who developed a particular ideology. This man had a son-in-law named Paul Lafarge. Paul Lafarge was running for a city council seat in Paris, France. His father-in-law, a man the world has come to know and admire, had become a global icon. And today, nations revere his, his ideas as manifestly superior to any and all others. Mr. Lafarge was of mixed racial descent. He was a Cuban by birth. And this really troubled his father-in-law, who was a racist a bigoted man who made no bones about his feelings. He wrote about his opinion regarding this man and his desire to run for office in a letter to his daughter, this man's wife, saying, Being in his quality as a nigger, a degree nearer to the rest of the animal kingdom than the rest of us, he's undoubtedly the most appropriate representative for that district. He referred to his son-in-law as a gorilla, That district, you see, contained a large city zoo. And Mr. Lafarge, this man noted, was one-eighth nigger. Now, these are his words, not mine. This man was possessed of an untamed loose tongue which was set on fire by the flames of hell when it came to addressing the people of different races, particularly the blacks and the Jews. He wrote that the worldly religion of the Jews was huckstering, and that the Jewish God was nothing more than money. His view of the Jewish people was that they would only become an emancipated culture when they ceased to exist. Just one step short of calling for genocide, this man said, the classes and the races, too weak to master the new conditions of life, must give way. His words quickened the mind and the desires of another man who was as equally debased and wicked a man who dared to go a bit further with the expressed ideas of genocide. His name was Adolf Hitler. Following the Marxist Hegelian principles, Hitler was responsible for the disruption of the world and the murder of over 7 million Jews. These aren't isolated expressions of bigotry and racism that were voiced by some unknown. No, this man was a xenophobic monster that hated every race equally, and he let the world know of his hatred Racism was a fixed principle in his ideology and in his religion. In his idea for progress to occur, ethnic groups and even nations had to be swallowed up by more powerful groups. Many people may think these things true in the privacy of their own mind, but dare not whisper them aloud in public. 
Our protagonist was bold in his wickedness, and he was unafraid. He inspired others to follow his thoughts. This man literally sought to rule the world, and he wrote, The Negro is indolent and lazy and spends his money on frivolities, whereas the European is forward-looking, organized, and intelligent. This man commenting on how another man spends his money is a bit amazing. For this man would not support his wife, would not support his children, and took money for drink and cheap cigars. Concerning the Jews, his hatred spilled out in his writings repeatedly. What is the worldly cult of the Jews? Haggling. What is his worldly God? Money. This is how he felt about the Jews. And while he railed against various races as being subhuman and lower rank in society, many do not realize that he himself was a Jew. No, this is no sorry Southern backwards-thinking individual that is caught up in the past. This is the man that literally would rule the world. Any ideologue with a historical record like his, leaving a trail of rot as this man did, is not God, but is a figure standing with the forces against God. Truly, this man was inspired by and did the work of his father, the Prince of Darkness. Surprisingly, it is this man the world seeks to study and to follow. When I say the world, I'm speaking obviously of the world system. People of letters, intellectual so-called, leaders and elitist, people wielding worldly power and wealth. Carl Schwab of the World Economic Forum, Senator Bernie Sanders, Senator Dick Durbin, Senator Richard Blumenthal, and even George Soros. Leaders from many countries put into practice the principles and ideas of this man, a man who is clearly anti-Semitic in an unambiguous manner, a man whose life denied everything he claimed to represent and believe. He was a picture of wanton chaos. He literally was a filthy man who suffered from his filth. His body and his bottom was covered with carbuncles and boils. He came from a wealthy, well-to-do background, and he was provided with all the money he needed. And we should notice that during his life, the pattern of his life was to live off the wealth of others. He wasn't paying his own way. He did not pay his bills. He did not support his family. He hoarded whatever he felt was his, and he hoarded it for himself. Rather than pay his respects to his father who fed and clothed him as a child and provided shelter and finances during his youth, who sought to have a path developed of success for his son, this man refused to show even a modicum of respect. He refused to attend his father's funeral. He had other things to do, one biographer said. His wife, Jenny, lived in constant squalor. This man used her as his shield and sent her to battle with his debtors. She was responsible to beg money from family and friends in hopes of not getting evicted from their home. It was their children, six of them, that had to endure the most bitter end of this hard life. The results of such an upbringing would soon become evident. Four of his sons died, and his two daughters formed a pact with their husband and committed suicide. His wife wished that she and the children were safely in the grave, and he wrote and told his buddy about this. This attitude was the fruit of her husband's care and concern for the family. He was to blame for their misfortune and poverty. No one else could take the blame. 
At one point, he became involved in an adulterous affair with the young servant who Jenny's mother had sent to help the family. He impregnated her, and she gave birth to his illegitimate bastard son. And this guy refused to acknowledge any responsibility for the child. Eventually, his friend adopted the bastard child while his wife suffered through the embarrassment and shame of an adulterous husband who is a drunk and a filthy man. He voiced his regret in writing. He wrote, Blessed is he who has no family. His wife eventually died, and he did not attend the funeral. Finally, I suppose, he felt blessed. This man hated not just someone or something. He hated everything. It was this man that declared that every organization established by man needed to be destroyed. In his hatred and rage, he dreamed of the destruction of society. He was lazy, and he refused to work. What right did he have to complain over society? Hatred spreads its seed and has its reward. Now, knowing these things and having the historical records that support these findings, how is it, Lieutenant Colonel Matthew Lomire asked, how is it that American people and institutions increasingly resonate and align with this man's ideology? How did we get to this point? How did we become a country where we've cozied up to this man and his religion? This man's character was deplorable and his ideas insane. That anybody would reason with this man is really surprising. He was consumed with rage and an inner hatred at all things, particularly towards God. His desire was to wipe God from the face of the earth. And at some point, this man crossed a line, and in his own conscience, he became seared by his hatred and of all that was good. He wrote prolifically of a world that should be, a world where people like him would rule and thrive. Even a dullard should be able to understand the hold this man and his ideology has on American politics, business, and education. Through the strident efforts of Barack Obama, 197 trained and loyal military officers were removed and replaced during his time in the White House with men who would embrace the ideologies of this one man that would hold to this man's religion. And today, we're in the midst of a true cultural revolution following the religious ideologies of this one man. Taxes are being used to crush the middle class, the idea of this one man. COVID is being used to manipulate irrational fear and control the nation. Education is teaching insane ideas regarding racial hatred. This man's influence is staggering. The devil is raising his hands in a victorious stance, but just wait. He has one more man who will rise. This man we're discussing is long dead, but his religion lives. But there's going to be another one. There's going to be another one who comes to lead. It is as if a step-by-step -step plan is being followed meticulously. The independence of nearly all of our sacred institutions is being eradicated. The Supreme Court has become a political body. The legislature has become a leftist organization. The police and sheriffs are being targeted for elimination. 
All of these ideas are derivatives of this one man's religion, his ideology, the principles of his dogma. This one man stands out in my reading of history as one who is worthy of our total disdain and disgust. We all know the name Adolf Hitler. And no, that is not the man I'm speaking of. The Jews speak that name, Adolf Hitler, and they spit. His atrocities are well known. Wickedness does not describe him. It's as if he was evil personified. But he is superseded and surpassed in total depravity by only one other. We have various men who've been tyrannical despots throughout history. And yet they are superseded and surpassed in depravity by this one man. Look at Genghis Khan, Vlad the Impaler, Maximilian Robespierre. But this man was the man that inspired Hitler and Himmler and Eichmann. He spawned Lenin, Stalin, Mao, Nikolai Ceausescu, Pol Pot, and Fidel Castro. These men, following the precepts and doctrines of this man and his religion, murdered and tortured millions upon millions of people worldwide. This man's religious zeal authored socialism, which is a precursor to all communistic principles and ideology. At his tomb, I would shake my head and ask, this man? Is this the man who sought to shake the world? This is the man that makes the nations tremble? But I would be wrong. This man had a leader. And this man, by the way, his name is Karl Heinrich Marx. His leader was Satan himself. And one problem that Satan has is that he has so many imposters and pretenders, copycats, followers that he has trained and encouraged. In his desire to be like the Most High, he's raised up an army of followers who have the same desire as he. All of his demons want to lead. None want to follow. It's like trying to herd cats. His is a kingdom of chaos and absolute confusion, yet he will never relinquish his throne and his delights. If he can ever find delight in his coal-blackened heart, it would be that he delights in the noise, the cries of suffering, and the sounds of destruction. His desire is pure evil to the core and is eternally wicked. And he knows no joy or peace, only hate and misery. Really? It sounds like a biographical sketch of Karl Heinrich Marx. But in spite of all of his followers, we must remember this. Karl Marx is only a man. And there is only one devil. And there is only one who inspires and guides so many in evil. And Satan is anti-God. Jesus Christ is building his church, and the devil, in his seek to be like the Most High, is building his. Both have their chosen ones. Both have their leaders. Satan, though, is like the smoke coming under the door in a burning home. He is the stench of the corpse. He is the author of atheism, and he laughs at those who make such a profession and embrace atheism. He knows God personally, and he knows who is in control. But he sits alone in the commanding seat of evil, the seat that so many aspire to occupy. Karl Heinrich Marx has Satan for a leader. He is the one he is seeking to imitate. 
He wants to get rid of all things that you and I hold dear. He wants to destroy all that is at the core of life, family, faith, and freedom. He wants to bring you to be with him in his vacuum of perversion, hate, frustration, and wickedness. He seeks to introduce you to his great ideas of socialism, communism, and darkness. He wants to wipe out God from heaven and from the minds of our children. He wants to eradicate the church and eliminate all freedom. Forget free market arguments. His goal and his aim extends far beyond that. He wants you to own nothing and to be happy. And he's moving pretty fast right now. And it would appear that he knows his time is short. He has nothing to offer you, nothing. He's handing us shackles and chains, and the nations are applying them, and our people are using them. The youth is longing for them, and Black Lives Matter and Antifa are seeking to accommodate their desires. The statues in our nation, our heroes, our history, it's all coming down and being erased. This man is the virus that has destroyed our nation. Carl Heinrich Marx died in 1884 and lies in Highgate Cemetery in the grave that was not prepared for him. No, it was prepared for his wife. His religion still lives in the heart of millions. And be assured of this, there's nothing new under the sun. Karl Marx and his teachings have been around for quite some time. Just read in Genesis 3 and look at Genesis 6. Jesus himself told us that man does not live by bread alone. But Karl Marx is convinced that it is the bread. That is the only thing. Materialistic survival is the only thing that he aims at. Karl Heinrich Marx. This is Frank Doss with Vintage Broadcasting. We do appreciate your participation in listening to our broadcast. We hope that it benefits you in some way and that you'll continue listening in the days to come.